Bible handy, will you turn with me to James chapter 5, please? James chapter 5. For most of you, this is the beginning of my double duty today. Uh, For the high schoolers and junior high, you get me all three sessions, and so I hope you have strapped in and are ready to go at it, because I know I am. But this morning, I want to take some time to read through James chapter 5. I got this idea. We are studying through James in our Thursday morning Bible studies. And so I was reading through it a little later on one of the Thursdays, and I found this passage, and it just struck me as something that I would like to explore a little more. And so James chapter 5, starting in verse 13. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is great power as it is working. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and heaven, and, the, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. In James 5, we're being told all about prayer, all about the different ways it can be used, and about, about how powerful it is. So I just want to ask a few questions. Have you ever felt that your prayer just isn't going anywhere? You're taking your time to pray, and it just feels like you're talking to air? Or have you ever thought about how prayer actually works and how it, how it helps? Or have you ever thought about when to pray or when it, your need to pray? James not only tells us the power of prayer and how prayer works, but he helps us understand when we should be praying as well. And that's what I want to kind of examine this morning. Because prayer is something many of us are taught of from birth. We're taught to pray before bed, to pray before meals. And sometimes I think we, we just assume that our prayers are just that. We're just talking. We're, we're blessing the food or asking for the blessing. And sometimes I fear that we view it as a one-sided relationship. When very clearly throughout the Bible we're shown that it's two-sided all the way through. And so this morning I want us to understand a more complete view of prayer. And by doing so, I want us to take a look at the three P's of prayer that is being blocked off by the black screen. I apologize. But we're going to look at the three P's of prayer that I think James brings out. And I don't mean that these are the only things about prayer that we need to know. But these are what I find in James' letter. Prayer is critical to our lives. And if we're looking to establish a relationship with God, we have to pray to Him. It's our way of conversing our needs, showing our appreciation, showing our love to our Creator. And so what are the three P's? Well, first... Prayer is pertinent. Look with me at verses 13 through 14. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. Prayer is pertinent. And what I mean by that is it's, it's always, it always pertains to a situation. It's always appropriate to pray. No matter what happens, no matter what is going on in our life, prayer should be one of our responses to it. And so with that in mind, James tells us of different situations in which prayer is useful or necessary. So let's examine them a little closer. First of all, he talks about suffering in verse 14. 
Suffering is the state of undergoing pain or distress or hardship. And we understand the idea of suffering when, when, we're, when we examine the Bible. Paul talks about different hardships that he goes through, about the stoning he has to deal with, about imprisonment that he has to deal with in 2 Timothy, and about spiritual distress that he's in. You see, suffering is not just physical, but spiritual too. When we suffer, our first reaction is to often groan and complain about it. Woe is me. Why is this happening to me? But we can see from this passage that a different response is called for. Praying in trials is meant to help us. Turn with me to Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1. In this passage, we can see what praying in trials helps us with. Paul is writing from, church, or from prison to the church at Philippi. And so in chapter 1, verse 19, he says, "For I, or We'll start in verse 18, actually. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. Yes, and I will rejoice. For I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance, as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that... But that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. You see, he's asking for prayers from the church at Philippi. And he's saying, he's telling them what he hopes for or what he expects from those prayers. Is that he'll be delivered by, from his trial, whether that's a physical deliverance or whether that means he'll be taken up to his father. He said he is happy with either. But he, that's what he expects from these prayers. So that helps us, gives us an image of what our prayer does for us in our trials. It helps us. It asks for help. When we pray during suffering, we normally pray for one or two things. We pray for deliverance from our suffering. When we're sick, when we're spiritually broken, we ask God to save us from the temptation or from the illness that has fallen upon us. We ask for deliverance from our issue, from our problem. We pray for strength as well. The second thing that we pray for is strength. And that's to endure the suffering. If, if we're dealing with a long-term illness or with something that is a temptation that's been plaguing us for a while, we ask God to give us strength to endure that trial, that suffering. And so when we understand the length of whatever we're dealing with, it helps us to ask God for help, strength to remain faithful and healthy during whatever may, may be falling upon us. Suffering calls for prayer. And that's what I'm trying to tell you, what James is trying to tell you. After suffering in verse 15 of James chapter 5, we're told to be, when we're cheerful, to be singing praise. Cheerfulness has a relationship with prayer. You can see that. And I want to show you that praise, in my opinion, is the equivalent of prayer. It's praising God for what He has done. What do we think of when we're happy? When things are going right for us? Oftentimes I know myself that I think of, well, I'm doing pretty good. I must be studying more. I must be preparing well. Because everything seems to be going well in my life. And if you notice, there's no inclination to God in my thanks. For my cheerfulness, there's no inclination for me to say, you know, God's doing this. It's not me. It's God helping me out. That's what this singing praise is supposed to remind us of. That God is the reason behind our cheerfulness. He's the reason behind our blessing. And because of that, we must be singing praise to Him. 
Look with the Psalms, if you will. Look at Psalm 9 with me. The Psalms, to me, really jump out as prayers of praise. They show me what it means to be singing praise to God in a prayer-like manner. Psalm chapter 9, David uses this psalm to praise God. And so we'll look at that. Psalm 9, starting in verse 1. I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart. I will recount all of your wonderful deeds. I will be glad and exult in you. I will sing praise to your name, O Most High. When my enemies turn back, they stumble and perish before your presence. For you have maintained my just cause. You have sat on the throne, giving righteous judgment. You have rebuked the nations. You have made the wicked perish. You have blotted out their name forever and ever. The enemy came to an end in everlasting ruins. Their cities you rooted out. The very memory of them has perished. But the Lord sits enthroned forever. He has established his throne for justice, and he judges the world with righteousness. He judges the people with uprightness. The Lord is a stronghold for the oppressed, a stronghold in times of trouble. And those who know your name put their trust in you. For you, O Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. Sing praises to the Lord who sits enthroned in Zion. Tell among the people his death, or his deeds. I apologize. David is using this psalm to praise God for everything he has done for him. He's taken away the wicked people who are trying to harm, harm David. And David praises him for that. David praises God for, his, his, for him being a stronghold in which David can turn to in his weakness. David praises God because God is still sitting enthroned over everything in creation. David's response to his blessing is by singing praise to God. And that gives us an example of how we are supposed to be singing praise to God when we're blessed. When we're cheerful, we must remember to thank God for what He has done for us. To thank God for everything that He has provided for us. If our job is going well, well, we praise God. If we're healthy, we praise God. If our family is growing and flourishing, we praise God. Just because things are going well doesn't mean we should be forgetting to pray to God. Prayer is always pertinent to any situation. James chapter 5, back in that passage, we're told of a third situation in which prayer works, or prayer is supposed to be working. James mentions being sick as an opportunity to offer prayer to God. In this occasion, the sick believer is to call upon the elders, and so that they may pray over him and anoint him in the name of the Lord. And so what does this mean? I think this, past, this, this verse in verse 15 has two different applications. One's physical and one's spiritual. In physical terms, sickness here can mean physical illness. If we are sick, if we are, are falling ill, then we call for others to pray over them, specifically the elders. And James is saying is that prayer is good for the healing of sickness. When prayed for or anointed by oil, the elders are imploring God to heal the illness that is plaguing the child of God. The second application I think this has is a spiritual one. Sickness here can mean a spiritual sickness from God, being adrift from God. And so when we look at sickness in a spiritual aspect, I think we can see James is telling us that prayer works in that aspect as well. And I go to that because down in verse 16, or at the end of 15 and into 16, he talks about sins and how prayer has the power to ask God to forgive sins. And we see the idea of anointing with oil in this passage. What I take for anointing with oil, there are, 
there are different commentaries. One, oil at this time was a, a medicine, uh, medicine almost. It was there to cleanse, to physically try and heal. But what I find is that this is a cleansing before God, making the person pure in the sight of God. So if the elders are anointing the sick with oil, then I think what we're told is the person who is sick in sin, the oil is used symbolically to set them apart before God with the prayers. But the idea here is the same. It's not the oil that works. It's not the people coming to the sick person that works. What works is the prayer to God that heals these people. The one by sickness is saved by prayer. So we can see from these verses that prayer pertains to any situation. It's always appropriate to pray to God. Secondly, we can see that prayer is personable. Look with me at 15 and 16, if you will. 15, and the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another, that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is a great power as it is working. We're being told to confess our sins to one another, to grow close to one another, so that our prayer can help out everyone else. When I say prayer is personal, I simply mean that it requires us to know one another so that we can pray for one another. In order to know one another, we have to be willing to tell each other when we're struggling with something, when we're dealing with a temptation or a sin, and we need prayers to help us. As children of God, we're supposed to be looking out for one another. We're supposed to be praying for one another and encouraging one another. Turn with me to Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 1. What we can see in this passage is that we're supposed to be bearing one another's burdens. Galatians 6, starting in verse 1. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. In this passage in Galatians, Paul is writing to the churches of Galatia who have been dealing with Judaizing teachers who are trying to force the law upon Christians. And so when he says in verse 1 of chapter 6 that you fulfill the law, or excuse me, verse 2, he's telling them that bearing one another's burdens, showing love to one another, is what fulfills the old law. We're supposed to be helping one another, bearing one another's burdens, bearing, helping us get through our trials and temptations. Our prayer is meant to be personable and helpful to others. Not only are we supposed to be praying for ourselves and our own strength, but we should be asking for strength for others as well. We have a sick list here at Fairview. We have a list that we can see who is dealing with certain illnesses or who is expecting children. And so we have an opportunity to see what we should be praying for for others. And so we know our physical needs at this church. But how often do we ask each other spiritually what we're dealing with? How often do we go to one another and say, hey, are you, what are you dealing with in your spiritual life? What are you struggling with? How can I help you? How can I pray for that? I think what we can see from James chapter 5, that in order to bear one another's burdens and allow our prayers to be personable, we must be able to talk openly about our sins and weaknesses with one another. Now, this may not mean an open broadcast, a, a post on Facebook or social media telling us 
exactly what you're dealing with. But it may mean we have a close relationship with our brothers and sisters to talk about it in private, to tell them what we're dealing with, what we fell to, what we need help with. That way we can have someone to hold us accountable for it and check in with us and pray for it. And so when we look at this passage in James chapter 5, we can see the result of confessing sin to one another and praying for each other's spiritual needs. In verse 16, it is used so that we may be healed. My prayer on your behalf and your prayer on my behalf helps us to be healed in God. Opening up with each other isn't just about venting or getting things off of our chest because we're, we're, it's, it's stuck in our head and we're stressing out over it. It's a petition to God for forgiveness. That's what it's supposed to turn to. It's about healing and about keeping us cleansed from our sin. It's important for our prayer to be personable because we cannot pray for spiritual healing without knowing what others are going through. So if our prayer is personable, then we will seek out one another to know what to pray for. We'll open up with others and what we are dealing with. Prayer being personable allows us to grow with one another towards God, and it allows us to be healed in our spiritual walks. Finally, what we can see from James chapter 5 is that prayer is powerful. And what do I mean by this? Look with me at verses 15 through 16. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you, might, that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as is working. Did you see the responses to the prayer in this passage? The Lord will raise him up, that you may be healed. It has great power as it is working. Prayer is powerful. It works. And I don't think any of us doubt that. But sometimes we need a reminder that our prayer isn't just us in a closed room talking to ourselves. Our prayer reaches God, and He answers it. When we see James telling us the result of prayer, he's reminding us to keep our faith, that our prayer is not in vain. He was reminding us to continue our prayers. And so in those times where we feel that we haven't been heard, we can take comfort knowing that God still is listening. And while he answers prayers, it, it may not be the answer we expect or we're looking for. His will may be fulfilled in different ways entirely than what we're thinking, because we don't think like God. However, even knowing this, we can take comfort knowing that our prayers are being heard and they are being answered. Prayers are answered, but there is a caveat that James applies. He says in verse 16 that a prayer of a righteous person works. And so what does this mean? One commentary I was reading through, not, not translated, but wrote this in a different way, and it kind of clarified it for me. They wrote that the effective prayer of a righteous person has great power. Meaning, if we are living like we're supposed to be living in God and walking with God every step of the way, then we should have full confidence that our prayer is not only reaching God, but that it's being answered. Because if we are walking in God, and if our heart is in the right place, then we understand that prayer works through God and that our prayer will be answered. Prayer has power, not through the words that we say, not through the actions we take, but through the connection that we have with God. 
That's how our prayer is powerful. And James gives us an example from the Old Testament of how prayer worked. In in verse 17, he tells us, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. Elijah, as James puts it, is is a man with a nature like ours. Simply meaning he he was a human being. He wasn't a god. He wasn't anything like that. He was a man who dealt with the same temptations and trials that we dealt with, deal with. And so James points out that Elijah prayed for drought, and the prayer was answered. Then Elijah prayed for rain, and that prayer was answered. Because Elijah is like us, we can understand that our prayer works just like Elijah did. And while our prayer may not be for drought or for rain, and while it may not be in such drastic measures where it doesn't rain for three years, we can understand what James means by this. Our prayer, much like Elijah's prayer, will be answered. It's also interesting to note the nature in which Elijah prayed. In verse 17, we can see that Elijah prays fervently. This isn't a one-time kind of deal. It's not, I'm going to pray today and hope that the rest of it is, is covered. Elijah is continually praying to God to fulfill his prayer, to, to stop the rain and then to rain. It gives us a kind of attitude that we are meant to have when we pray. Are our prayers just a one-time thing? Just a simple, well, God, can you bless this food before we eat? Or are our prayers more fervent in nature? Do we pray often and when we know that there is a need? If we understand prayer is powerful, doesn't that shape our attitude towards prayer? Because if we thought prayer was useless or that it was just a way for us to vent, it kind of negates what prayer actually is. And it takes away the power that is with it. But if we understand and value prayer for the power that comes with it, well, then we're going to be praying with more sincerity, fully believing in God who will answer our prayers. This means we will be praying often, desiring God's guidance or help in our lives. This means we will pray no matter how big we deem the issue, because God has the power to answer prayers in any way He desires or He sees fit. Prayer is powerful. In my life, there was one time that really helped me understand that. I've often talked about my brother while I've been up here. When my brother was first diagnosed with cancer, we didn't really know what to do. And so we just asked for prayers, and we prayed, and we prayed. And there were some tough times even with that prayer. There were some tough times through his cancer treatment, through what had gone on. But then when he went into remission, we understood that the doctors helped, yeah. But that prayer to God had been answered. God had allowed Chandler to come through strong. Prayer works. Prayer has power. And we must understand this. Because if we understand that prayer has power, we're going to look like Elijah in our prayers. And that's what matters. James gives us a passage here about the importance of prayer. Why does prayer matter? Why should we be doing it? When should we be praying? 
He is always, he is helping us to understand why it's so important and why we should always be praying. So you see, prayer is pertinent. It is always applicable and useful for every situation. Prayer is personable. It takes our weaknesses and our brothers' and sisters' weaknesses and gives them up to God and allows us to grow closer to one another and to God. And prayer is powerful. God answers our prayers in ways that He sees fit. But He always is listening to our prayers. Will you pray with me about that? Heavenly Father, we come to You now so thankful for Your relationship with us. We thank You so much for Your guiding hand and Your your presence with us, Lord. We pray that we will always remember the importance of prayer and the power of prayer that you have bestowed in it. We pray that we will always be praying when, when we are sick, when we are cheerful, when things are going well and when things are not. Father, we, we implore that you always remind us that prayer works and that you are always listening and answering our prayers. It's in your son's name that we pray this. Amen. I appreciate your attention this morning, and I want to challenge us something as we close. I want to challenge us to go throughout this week and pray more often, and use it as a response to every situation that we face, because our prayer should be a valuable tool in our fight against Satan and against temptation. I appreciate your attention. We'll be dismissed for our classes at this time.